Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. In 1998, Swatch, Swatch the watch company, tried to reinvent the concept of time itself. They proposed a new time measurement system called Internet Time, or if you prefer, Beat Time. Swatch Internet Time works like this. You throw out hours, minutes, and seconds, and instead, a day is just made up of beats, a thousand beats. Each beat lasts one minute and 26.4 seconds. Swatch sold watches that would display Beat Time, but they also offered a free Beat Time clock that you could download from their website. I talked to Eric Limer from Gizmodo, who wrote about this. Why would the internet need its own time? Well, I think the idea is that you know people on the internet are from all different parts of the world, so normal time with people who are like way far away from you does get annoying. So it seemed like it could be useful. All right, so before we get into that, let's just take a moment to remember what 1998 on the internet even meant. In 1998, Google's still half a year from even being incorporated. StarCraft is a new game. Someone's writing a letter to the New York Times asking why their 56K modem will only connect at 53K. The Internet's teetering between being a toy for nerds and a pervasive part of everybody's life. That's the context in which Nicholas Negroponte, who at the time was the head of MIT's Media Lab, goes on CNN and says, Swatch Internet Time is the future. This is just the beginning. This is the beginning of understanding that cyberspace has no boundaries, no limits, no geography, no distance. We're just at the beginning of understanding what that means. Hey, Carlo, can you hear me? Yes, I can. This is Carlo Giordanetti, Swatch's creative director. Do you remember clearly like, like how, how even like the idea to do it came up? Well, absolutely, because it, it was a pretty big deal at the time. We, I think at the time we all had a dream. Uh, the fact that you know you you would be chatting with your friends around the world uh, at the same time, and the idea to kill the obstacle of the local time. So you know you're in Shanghai, you're in Marrakesh, in New York or in Milan, and you have only one way to look at time and not four different ones. If it worked, it would mean that a company previously famous for popularizing the plastic watch would now be known as the company that popularized Time's version of Esperanto. And if this sounds crazy to you. If you don't think a private company could just unilaterally change our conception of time and eliminate time zones, then you're forgetting where we got time zones. When time zones were introduced, they were called railroad time because the railroads invented them, because the tiny adjustments that train conductors had to make while moving from city to city had become cumbersome in the face of a new technology that made the world smaller. Anyway, Swatch painted a big red line on their headquarters the meridian of internet time. I mean, did you get used to thinking, like in your own mind, would you be like, it's noon right now, but it's also 600 beats? I tried, but I guess I was already too old for that. But we did for a while, for example, meetings were called the beat time or uh, whatever the beginning of conference calls. We kind of sent the information around, like we'll call you at 255. And then it was fun because of course, you know, then people really had to go and dig it out (laughs) and figure it out to be on time. Do you know who was using it in the beginning? CNN used it on their, on their news. It wasn't just CNN. Ericsson built new phones that displayed Internet time. ICQ added Internet time to its messenger client. And Swatch went on this world tour just explaining their plan and showing off their new watches. 
Carlos says the best reception they got was in Japan. Japanese people just got it. And they loved the actual internet time watches, which Carlos says looked like tiny aluminum spaceships turned on their sides. You know, there is this, this, this word that they use to define everything, which is kawaii. Kawaii means it's cute, it's fun, it's different. Uh, it speaks about you as a, as a little bit an, an, like an um, unexpected personality and, and so on. It was also a little character on the watch with his dog, and the dog would uh, pee at a certain beat path. It, was, it resonated with them. So what happened? How come we're not living in a world where time gets measured in beats and adorable peeing dogs? Eric Leimer says part of the problem is that while beat time promises to free us from all of time's annoying adjustments, it's, and you've maybe already figured this out, very hard to use. One of the main pitfalls of beat time is beat time doesn't have any context in the real world. When you say noon to somebody who's on the other side of the planet, it means roughly the same part of a day to them. Like noon is like the middle of the day. Whereas beat time, 500 beats might be lunchtime for you. But if you're talking to somebody else where they are, that might always be the middle of the night. So it's like pretty useless unless the people who you're talking to are living like horrible, horrible lives. <laughs> right, where any reference to the outside yeah, world doesn't matter anymore. Exactly. And that's the problem is that it's internet time, but it's pure internet time. And considering that we still like live in a real world, that doesn't have that much use. As somebody who lives in the present, it's really easy to laugh at the ideas of people in the past. And it's kind of cheap. Every big idea seems crazy. Until it works. I asked Carlo why he thought internet time failed, and he actually surprised me. He put the blame on Swatch. You know, in a company like Swatch, we have, I think we have one big mistake that we do all the time. We fall in love and out of love relatively quickly. Hmm. As soon as another idea came to the floor and we started to think about something new, we started to use it a little bit less and maybe to promote it a bit less. And that's where, obviously, then the public doesn't doesn't. It sounds like from what you're describing, it didn't feel like it's not something where people felt like disappointed or like it was a big failure. No, no, not at all. And, and still today, you know, people remember it and they don't remember it as, you know, we have other swatch projects which people remember and they look at you and they say, like, what were you thinking? <laughs> In this case, actually, people totally recognize the cool factor. I think that it's just in a way that to revolutionize the new way of telling time probably would have had to do some lobbying at some government level and things like that, which is so non-Swatch. Maybe one day, Swatch will reinvent itself as a lobbying group that just concerns itself with time. It's unlikely, though. For now, Swatch Internet times this mostly quiet ghost, a reminder of what we thought the future could be back in 1998. This is just the beginning. This is the beginning of understanding that cyberspace has no boundaries. No limits, no geography, no distance. We're just at the beginning of understanding what that means. We're still trying to understand what that means. But buried in the back of Swatch's website, you can still find a world map and a clock that'll tell you the time and beats. The page looks recently updated, not like some relic from the 90s. You can go there. You can set your watch to it. TLDR was produced by The Silver Woman and me, PJ Vogt. Kat Splodgers Hammerstein is our executive producer, and our engineer is Sir Andrew Dunn. We had more help from Kimmy Regler. Special thanks this week to Lynn Levy and Starley Kine. 
You can read our blog and listen to our show at tldr.onthemedia.org. We tweet at TLDR. We are TLDR. <laughs>